you know, how do you maintain desire in a relationship when you are stressed, right? And I think that that is like a very, very important question because what happens is that when we experience stress, so, you know, I'm sure you know that, you know, it's that fight or flight response, right? Uh, when we're stressed, we have all of our, like our cortisol is going, you know, our our hormones are are going to kind of keep us so that we don't get eaten up by that lion, right? So that's when we're in that fight or flight response. And so if we are in a constant state of stress, it actually decreases arousal, mm. decreases desire, right? Because we have that negative feedback mechanism. So what happens is when we are in a constant state of stress, we have increased cortisol levels. And when we get aroused, and when we experience desire, we cortisol also goes up. But if we are in a chronic state of stress, that cortisol will, we have that negative feedback loop, right? And so that cortisol level is going to be suppressed. And so. Attention all international medical students and graduates. Are you looking to improve your residency competitiveness and achieve your dream program match? Look no further. Introducing the 2023 IMG Roadmap course, the online program that will boost your personal and professional growth. This comprehensive course offers life cohort-based coaching from a seasoned expert, me, along with personalized feedback, templates, and even demos. You'll leave with a solid understanding of your personalized IMG journey and the skills you need to enhance it. You'll ditch the overwhelm and the best part, you can learn at your own pace from anywhere in the world. Whether you're a first year medical student or a graduate seeking concise practical coaching to improve your CV, this is the perfect investment for a successful career in the US. The IMG Roadmap is here. Be the first to know when the doors open in April of 2023. Sign up right now at drninaloom.com forward slash waitlist. Again, that's drninaloom.com forward slash waitlist. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. Today, we're speaking about something that you may want to cringe a little bit at, but I think it's very important. I know we're always talking academics. We're always talking, you know, how to achieve this goal and that goal and the other thing. But there's a part of our lives that I think we can so easily neglect. And then when it comes time for us to realize how much we've neglected it, it's been so long and you can't really, it takes a longer time to catch up. You may be wondering what I'm talking about, but right now it's love season. Everywhere you turn, there's hearts and roses and red petals all around you. So I invited a special guest today. She's not an IMG, but she has 22 years plus of experience as a physician training other people around something really special. 
So welcome, Dr. Lodi. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to our guest today. Hi, hi, Dr. Loma, and thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate the opportunity to be speaking to your guests and uh, to your viewers and to your listeners, your audience. My name is Dr. Sada Flodi. I am an OBGYN, board certified, and I am also an intimacy coach. And so I help people with their, perhaps their negative beliefs surrounding sex and relationships. And we look at ways to move forward and how to improve their relationships with their partners or their spouses. I love that you do this work because I feel like in medicine, especially when we are transitioning from, you know, one phase of our medical career to the other, it's so easy to neglect your interpersonal relationships and focus on your work. So whether that is like studying for USMLE step three or, you know, trying to get into residency or trying to get into fellowship or trying to be your, you know, an attending for the first time, all those pivotal moments seem to cloud our judgment for everything else. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, the people to suffer the most are the ones that are the closest to us, right? So whether they're our family, whether they're our spouses, our partners, whatever, it could be anyone. And um, I feel like those personal relationships are the ones that suffer because we're so focused on trying to get into a residency. And once we're in it, you know, then the, the rigor of that residency begins. So we just don't have, I mean, we don't even have time for ourselves, right? And so right. let alone trying to make time for others, it, it becomes very difficult. So yeah, it's, it's such an important part of our lives and really important important to try to focus and take some time to really spend time with the people that we love and show them that we care about them as much as we care about our training. And so um, I just have a, a few things that I think that might be helpful for anyone that might be listening. Yes, absolutely. So I would like us to get into it because I've been perusing your website and guys will have all her information in the show notes, but her website is drsadaf.com. And it's just so inviting, especially as a woman, as a physician. I know that you help so many people navigate intimacy as a life coach, as a sex coach, as an executive coach. But, you know, I know that you have a model that you want to share with us today as to how we can approach improving our relationships, our lives, and interpersonal relationships, especially. So do you want to share some of your nuggets with us? Absolutely. Thank you. I'd love to. So I will just get into it, I think. So while, you know, we're talking about maintaining sexual health while preparing for a career to be a resident physician or a fellow or your first year out as an attending, you know, I think it's really important to kind of assess each part of our lives, right? So we have, as we take a look at it, a lot of different, I would say different, even like the female sexual response cycle, it takes into account a model that's called the biopsychosocial model of health. And the reason why that's important is because it addresses the pivotal points in our in our health and really in our well-being. 
And so when we talk about the bio part of it, we're talking about the usual, you know, the usual things that you go see a physician for. So it could be your annual exam. It could be like your screening. And, and so while we're in residency or, you know, an attending or whatever, a resident, a fellow, I think it's really important to make sure that we're keeping up and maintaining our appointments with our primary care provider, right? So keeping our GYN appointment, getting tested for sexually transmitted infections, if you don't have like one partner and deciding, you know, if you want contraception there, you know, being a resident, a fellow or first time attending is a very stressful time in our lives. And so you may not be thinking about a family right away. And so it's so important that if you're thinking about a contraception that you discuss that with your gynecologist or your, you know, whoever that may be, or your primary care provider. Also making sure that whenever you have any type of sexual contact, if you're, you are not considering getting pregnant, then, you know, I would encourage people to always wear a condom just because they want to protect themselves against sexually transmitted infections. And of course, there are people that, you know, do decide that they want to get pregnant and think that this might be a good time to do that. And so if that's the case, then you want to make sure that you're taking your prenatal vitamins and your folic acid. And of course, depending on your age, you know, and since I'm a gynecologist, my focus is always toward women, but that you want to make sure that you get your mammogram, your pap smear, et cetera. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about the biological part of it. Okay. Okay. So the psychological part. So, you know, this is actually something that a lot of times we overlook and I think is super, super important, right? And that's what's, you know, how is your mental health, right? And we don't usually ask that of others, but I think it's very important to assess that for ourselves and about ourselves, right? So are we anxious? Are we depressed? Are we stressed? You know, a lot of times, especially if you go away for your residency, you may feel depressed, right? You may, and I think you mentioned this yourself, is that, you know, a lot of people feel isolated. They don't have a community that they used to be a part of. And so because of that, you know, they they may experience depression. They may have some anxiety. They may have stress. They may have homesickness, right? Especially if their right. home is far away. Yeah. And so then what I think is really important is for people to get very granular with their feelings, right? So when we say stressed, you know, that's very vague. And so it's hard for somebody to help us out when we talk about like, oh, I'm stressed. But if you say that, you know, I'm really overwhelmed or I'm frustrated or that, you know, I have so much going on and I don't know how to prioritize or how to manage my time, then then we can find a solution, right? Then we can figure out ways to help each other and for that person to get help. But, and that's what I mean when I say, you know, to get granular with our feelings, because the more we can describe what it is that's bothering us, that's, that's really upsetting us, then we can find solutions to that, you know, and seek help and get the help that we need. Also, I think it's important to get a therapist, right? I almost I almost feel like everyone should have a therapist. I have a therapist. And 
it's so important, right? You can't always depend on, say, like your friends to talk about everything that's bothering you. You know, they may be busy as well. They may be stressed. They they may have their own issues going on, right? So right. it's important to have somebody that is dedicated to the field that could help you with the emotions and the things that are running around in your mind, the thoughts that you have, you know, perhaps you have imposter syndrome, right? Which is very common for everyone, I think. I think everyone at some point in their life goes through that. And you may want to be able to discuss that with somebody. And I think a therapist is always so helpful to have and and it's good to know where you can get help. I think also coaching is important. You know, sometimes you get stuck. Sometimes you start up a, a residency or a fellowship and you realize like, oh my gosh, this isn't really what I want. You know, like this isn't what I was thinking or it isn't really what I was hoping it would be. And so then you may have some type of grief even. And so then coach or coaching is important because coaches actually help you to move forward, right? So therapy is Therapists are people that you kind of discuss about your past and perhaps some traumas or things like that, that you may have had in your life. Whereas coaching coaches, basically they kind of deal a little bit with your past, but then they will help you move forward. So everything is about moving forward, right? So how do I move forward in my life? And, and so that's why a coach may be helpful in terms of that. And make sure that you're keeping up with your relationships with yourself and with others. And that actually brings me right into my next aspect of this biopsychosocial model, and which is the social aspect, right? Try to maintain and keep friendships. And I know that is super hard. I mean, even as an attending myself and been attending for a while now, I find it very, very difficult to maintain relationships and friendships outside of my, you know, main family here. Right my nuclear family. And even it's hard to maintain that uh, relationship just with your parents or your, your siblings, even let alone, you know, friends outside of that nucleus that you have, but it's going to be, especially when you're going through a a stressful time, such as residency and fellowship, it's going to be so important to have an outlet and to maintain these friendships and to seek out new friends, right? So a lot of times when you start a residency, when you're going through something as stressful as that, it's nice to be have some co-residents that are going through exactly the same thing that you are. And so that you have a bond right there and that they can also help you in times of, you know, when you may be having a difficult time in residency or if you had a hard day or something like that, it may be helpful to have somebody that's very near you know, physically to you so that you can reach out to them. Because especially if you're a foreign medical grad, right? Your your family is far away. You don't have that tight nuclear family that you perhaps relied on when you were applying for fellowships and residencies and things like that. So here you are in a new country, in a new place, in a new location, and you don't have that support system that perhaps you did in your own home. And so that's why it's going to be important to, Put yourself out there, right? Even if you're an introvert, it's it's really important to try to put yourself out there because that's the only way you're going to make meet new friends, right? And seek out people that are that have similar interests 
as you. So for example, if you want to be part of a community, right, whether it's a religious community or say that you have a special interest, like you like biking or running or something like that, find, find those local communities near you so that you have some people that you can rely on, right? So although you may have left your family and friends in your country of origin, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there, you're making new friends, you're forming new communities and new networks. And that's, what's really going to be helpful, especially when you have those hard, difficult days. Right. Right. And um, I think that's, that's why that's so important. Also, it's super important. And there've been multiple studies that have showed this, that if you walk outdoors at least two hours a day, or actually more, more than that, actually two hours a week, rather. And that really helps with your mental health, with your mood. And so then maybe set a time for yourself, right? So even if you're just walking outside to your car and to the hospital, maybe take five more minutes and walk around the hospital, right? And get some fresh air, take, take some time to be with yourself, practice some mindfulness, you know, all of those things will help out not only your mood, but also your mental health so that you have clarity when you go on to your next day, when, you know, your next project or whatever that might be. Right. I think exercise is so, so important, especially in residency. When I was a resident, I used to make sure that, you know, I always exercised at least as much as I could, you know, being an OBGYN is a, is a pretty tough residency, but if you're able to set aside even a half hour, right? So I think the American Heart Association says you need a half hour of vigorous exercise, something that increases your heart rate for five days out of the week. So if you can at least commit to even just a half hour for five days a week, just to exercise, right? Whether it's, a, and that could just be like speed walking. It, you know, if you're not able to actually go and increase your heart rate too much, maybe, you know, like we talked about, just go for a walk outside or, you know, do as much as you can, right? So don't overwhelm yourself, but try to get get outside, try to exercise a little bit so that it helps with some mental clarity and with your physical being, right? Exercise is always very helpful and very, very important for our mental and physical health. And lastly, for the social part of it, and I also have a little bit more that I'm going to talk about in terms of maintaining relationships, but in terms of the social aspect, you know, I think it's also very important to read books, right? Right. And read books that are outside of your niche. So, you know, you may be whatever, um, you know, women's health provider. So you, you're always constantly reading about, you know, obstetrics and gynecology and things like that, but try to read books that are not having to do with medicine. Try to maybe read some books on business or read books on, you know, mental health or positive intelligence or something like that. I mean, a book that I just picked up recently um, that I'm very excited to read is called Soundtracks. And it's basically about things that we tell ourselves, right? So that things that we tell ourselves over and over again, that become like this soundtrack that's on rewind in our head. And so I think that that's important to just to make sure that you're keeping up and that you're reading, because that's going to also give you a little bit of an escape from the daily grind of being a fellow or resident or an attending. And I absolutely love the, I, I was just going to say, I absolutely love the biopsychosocial model 
because it's in many ways all encompassing. You know, it it embraces all the different parts of us. And as you were speaking, I was just like, wow, this is if we could approach life and just our self-care following that model, I think that would really take us places as far as our personal joy, health and overall outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think that it's so important because like you said, it does address every aspect of our life. And I think that if we can at least pay attention to a little bit of each one of those categories, then I think that that would, you know, keep us whole. And as you know, when we are going through something so rigorous as our training, I think it's important to remember that, you know, we are individuals and we need care as well, right? It's hard to always care for others, but then we tend to forget about our, about ourselves. And it's important to allow ourselves that time and energy to care for ourselves. And one of the things that I did want to stress, since this is, you know, February and Valentine's Day is approaching and things like that, is, you know, how do you maintain desire in a relationship when you are stressed, right? And I think that that is like a very, very important question because what happens is that when we experience stress, so, you know, I'm sure you know that, you know, it's that fight or flight response, right? Uh, When we're stressed, we have all of our, like our cortisol is going, you know, our, our hormones are, are going to kind of keep us so that we don't get eaten up by that lion, right? So that's when we're in that fight or flight response. And so if we are in a constant state of stress, it actually decreases arousal, Mm. decreases desire, right? Because we have that negative feedback mechanism. So what happens is when we are in a constant state of stress, we have increased cortisol levels. And when we get aroused, and when we experience desire, we cortisol also goes up. But if we are in a chronic state of stress, that cortisol will, we have that negative feedback loop, right? And so that cortisol level is going to be suppressed. And so although we need a little bit of cortisol when we get aroused or have desire, that cortisol will be suppressed. So we may not be able to experience that desire or that arousal because our cortisol is being suppressed because we're always under a state of stress. Right. And so that's why it's really important to remember that and think, you know, and remember that there's not anything wrong with us. It's just the situation that we're in that puts us in this chronic state of stress that's decreasing our arousal, decreasing our desire. And that's why that's so important to know and understand. And so then, you know, how do you manage that, right? How do you increase that desire? How do we increase desire in our relationships? And I think one of the important things that we can do is make each other a priority, right? So try to make your partner, your significant other, a priority in your life, right? Just as we make priorities for work and our fellowship and our training, we need to set up dates with our spouse. And I know that, you know, contrary to what media tells us and, you know, what would the images that we see is that everything is supposed to be spontaneous, but that's not really the case, right? And there's something called sexual intelligence, which is very important to understand. And that basically states that like, relationships are going to look different at different phases in our life, 
right? So perhaps when we're new in a relationship, everything is more spontaneous and it, you know, maybe it seems like not that much effort is being put in, you know, and everything is just happening and everything's great, fantastic. But as we get further along in our relationships and, you know, decades pass, things may seem a little bit monotonous. And so we may not have that excitement anymore, right? And so how do we create that excitement? So then it's at that point that it behooves us to make our relationship a priority and set up dates with our significant other and spend time with each other. And when you're with that person, to put away your phone, right? Nobody likes to be, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you've probably seen people when you're at a restaurant that, you know, you see them together, but they're really not together. They're staring at their phones and- and it's just so awful, right? Because they can't even, you know, they they set aside time for themselves or for each other, but they're not even talking to each other. They're staring at their phones. And so one rule that we have in my family is that when we are at the dinner table, when we're together, we put away our phones, nobody's allowed to take out their phone. And I think that that's so important because that shows the other person that they are important, that they mean a lot and that you're not going to be distracted by something else showing up on your phone, but rather you would take that time and spend it with them, right? right? So that's why I think it's so, so important that when you're with somebody to actually be with that person, to be mindful when you're with them and spend time with them, that's really meaningful. Also, there's something called sensate focus. And when we are you know, with our significant other, our partner, whoever, somebody that's very important to us. And, you know, a lot of times I get the question like, you know, when I'm with my partner, I'm not really aroused and it just becomes very difficult. And, you know, I can't, I'm not really focused and I'm thinking about all the other things that I have to get done. And, you know, and so then they're asking me, well, you know, what can I do about my decreased arousal, decreased desire? And again, mindfulness comes in. So, you know, mindfulness is like this great practice that if we learn it, we can apply it to so many different aspects of our life. So not only when you're with your partner, but even when you start to become intimate with your partner, right? Is to practice that mindfulness because, and if we get into it, and I'm not going to get into it too much into it right now, but there's, we have what's called the female sexual response cycle. And it states that, not only do you have to look at the biopsychosocial model of somebody, you know, when they are in a relationship, but that usually arousal comes first and then desire comes. And it's a circular model. And it was developed by Rosemary Basson in um, 2001, I believe. And what she states is that for women, women desire that emotional intimacy. You know, we desire, we desire connection with our partner. And so it's not just about, you know, how do you increase desire, but it's having that connection, right? And how do you build that connection? Well, you build that connection with mindfulness, but also that you need something that is going to arouse you. And it can be, you know, it can be anything. It can be being close with somebody. It can be, you know, being intimate with them. And then you'll notice that the arousal comes first and then the desire comes because we have to be in that mind, in that frame of mind, right? 
And that only comes when we are able to practice that mindfulness. And that mindfulness is basically being present wherever you are, right? Is being present in the moment without any type of judgment. And so if you can practice that when you're with your partner, when you're with your spouse, when you're being intimate with your partner, then everything happens because what you're doing is you're focusing on that sensation. And this is where the sensate focus comes in. So basically the sensate focus means that you're using your senses to feel, to touch, to smell, to really be present in the moment. So when you are with somebody, when you're intimate with somebody, that you're really present. And when you're focusing on your senses, then you're able to touch, like how does that touch feel? How does that smell feel? How does that taste feel? And so then automatically that arousal happens and then that desire happens. And so then you can be more in that moment with your partner and that you can enjoy the time that you're having with that partner, right? Right. And another thing that's really important is, and we talked a little bit about this, is that, you know, prioritizing each other and setting setting aside time to be with one another. And one of the most important things is be willing to discuss difficult feelings with each other. So there is another great author that I enjoy. Her name is Emily Nagoski. And she wrote the book called Come As You Are. And she discusses, you know, being able to talk with your partner about difficult feelings. And I think that that communication, of course, as you know, you know, is one of the most important things to have in a relationship and in a friendship. And of course, with your most intimate partner. And when you have that communication, right? When you have that open communication, it's going to be so important to be able to discuss those difficult feelings that you may have with one another, right? So for example, if you have somebody that's a resident, that's a fellow, that's an attending, you know, and if their partner is not in medicine, and even if they are in medicine, say that you have different, you know, types of specialties, right? Right. They may come to resent their partner's specialty, right? Or they may come to resent all the time that they are taken away from their family, from their relationship. And and then they may start to harbor those difficult feelings. So it's so important when we have these relationships to be able to discuss those feelings, right? In an open and honest way so that these feelings don't build up. And so that we don't start like stonewalling each other or you know, not talking to one another for days or weeks and things like that so that the whole relationship crumbles, right? Right. So I think that, you know, some of these things, if we can practice them and implement them in our lives, in our everyday lives and, you know, continue the conversation of communication with our partners, I think that that is, you know, what will lead to stronger relationships. And a lot of times for people, this very difficult time actually brings them together, right? Because with their significant other or their spouse, because it really forces them to be more intentional when they have time with each other, because they may have limited time with one another, right? If they're always on call and things like that. So then the times when they're not on call, they may want to just do things together because that's their alone time. Right. No, absolutely. I think you've given us several nuggets that we can apply in our lives. And I'm sure that there's a lot more that you could share with us 
but for the fact that, you know, uh, that would require more time. But I just want to summarize for the listener today who is dealing with, you know, you're an IMG and you're far from home or you're married and have children and felt like you've neglected a certain part of your life, your interpersonal relationships, your intimacy, maybe even family. It doesn't always have to be intimate with a, a lover or a husband or a wife. It could be your close friends and family as well. Definitely, I think the pearls from today's podcast is to incorporate Dr. Sadaf's model here that allows you to approach your life. And it's almost like as important as self-care. And I think this is all about self-care. But approaching your life from this biopsychosocial model, where you're keeping your health up to date, you're keeping your health maintenance appointments. Psychologically, you're getting granular with your feelings, speaking with a therapist if you can afford it employing coaching into your life if you can afford it. And then the social aspect, which is just realizing that you are a well-rounded person and you can maintain, whether it's by phone calls, spending time together, keeping your phone away, and all those things put together can indeed influence for those that are actively in sexual relationships, it can influence and affect your desire for your partner and even just augment your your desire to develop your sexual relationship a little bit further. And this is the season for it. It's February. Everyone's talking about love and Valentine's Day. And I think that as doctors, we just don't have this conversation enough. We just don't prioritize this because I usually think we're dealing with life and death situations. So there's just no time to think about anything else. But I think it's time that we start to take care of ourselves. And this is one way that we can incorporate that even if we're studying for an exam, even if we feel like, you know, this is more important, my career is more important right now, but you don't want to have years pass you by and your family resents you for this career that you've pursued. So thank you so much, Dr. Lodi, for coming on the podcast today. I know that some people may want to continue this conversation. I know you're also a podcaster. So tell us where we can get more information on what kind of information and services that you offer. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Loam, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and have the ears of your listeners. So I have, as you stated before, I have a website called drsadaf.com. And also I am on social media. So my social media handles are Dr. Sadaf OBGYN on both Instagram and TikTok. On Instagram, I have a little over 2,000 followers. On TikTok, I have about a little over 120,000 followers. So I think that this topic, I speak a lot about sexual health and wellness on my social media. And I think it resonates with a lot of people because, you know, like you said, we don't talk about it. It's, you know, we just think that a lot of times people may think it's a taboo topic that you don't discuss, but I think it's important to talk about these things, right? Important to talk about how to improve your relationships. And I think it's very, very important. People can definitely go on my website to set up one-on-one consultations. I also have group coaching that I do. So definitely I would love to have people reach out and if they feel that this is something that's very important. And I think it is. I think that, you know, relationships and intimacy are very important and it's important to practice mindfulness when you're in your relationships, but, you know, come work with me and uh, we can see what may be some limiting beliefs that, uh, you know, a person may have and how we can improve and move them forward in their relationships. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it was my pleasure to have you guys. And so listen, if you are interested in anything we talked about today and you want to learn more or you just want to gain maybe a little bit more time and just dedicate 10, 20 minutes of your week to your personal well-being, I will put all her links in the show notes so that you can go on there and listen to her podcast. Maybe if you want to book a session with her, you can also do that. We'll make sure all her contacts are in the show notes, guys. And if you're listening, wherever you are, rate this podcast. Let us know the kind of information that's beneficial for you and your personal growth so that we can get you more hosts just like Dr. Lodi. Thank you, Dr. Lodi, for being on here. You are appreciated. Thank you so much, Dr. Loma. And I appreciate your time. Thank you. Look at you. I'm so proud of you for listening until the very end. And because of that, you deserve a reward. And I want you to go right now to drninaloom.com and download any of my free ebooks, whether it's for electives or clinical rotations, or even just whatever trials come your way as you navigate your IMG journey. Stay tuned for another episode coming up next.